Hey folks, this is Blind Geek here. A uh, quick favor to ask of you. Since 2006, when I got back into role-playing, I have been looking at Savage Worlds, and at the time there were some things that intimidated me about it, namely the fact that it used what are standard gaming dice, but for a blind guy, hard to come by. Not so true anymore, now that we have companies offering braille dice. God bless the creator of the 3D printer, that's all I have to say. Anyway, there's that. And the fact that they have such an emphasis on minis, which I don't use maps or minis, so there was that problem. And then the playing cards, which are also uh, no longer an issue. I've railed out some playing cards. In short, I'm interested in trying my hand at running Savage Worlds, and I'm calling out to y'all to see if any of you are interested in taking this journey with me. I don't know what the setting's going to be. There are a lot of great settings to choose from. Just to name a few, we got Deadlands, which is the wild, weird west. You've got Rippers, which is Victorian monster hunting, where the hunters take on certain attributes of the monsters they hunt. Think Van Helsing, the movie, to get somewhat of an idea of what you're in for there. Flash Gordon, need I say more? Sagas and Six Guns, which answers the question, what would happen if you combined Vikings with the Old West? And those are just the ones off the top of my head. There are many others. Anyway, we can discuss what setting once we have a group going. So if you're interested, either leave a comment on the Facebook page or contact me at blindgeek at lioncourt.com. That's blind as in can't see, geek as in geek, at lion as in King of the Jungle, court as in tennis, dot com. Hope to hear from you, and we'll see what we can get started. I don't know if this is going to be podcast, probably not, because I have a hard enough time editing the podcasts that I have to edit. And also, uh, just to let you know, this is not using Roll20 or any of those things. This is the honor system with Zoom. Period. It's been working for the gutter Skypes for... 12 years? Good God! Can't believe it's been that long. And it's been working for monkeys. Took my jetpack up until this point. So, I think it'll be fine. Anyway, let me know. And I look forward to gaming with you soon. And now, on with the show! Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, and thank you for downloading Monkeys Took My Jetpack, issue number 85. This is coming out a little later than I thought, and I keep asking myself why. Because I did start editing when I said I did. But, come to find out, we just packed a hell of a lot of gaming into our session last time. Normally, when we get together, there's about a half hour to an hour's worth of banter that goes on before we actually start the game. Not last week, boy. It was like, hey, how's it going? five, ten minutes in, and we're ready to roll, and we did. So there was a full, nearly three hours worth of session to edit. And so forgive me for being a little later than I thought, but we're here now. And here is session number two of Blue Rose, game mastered by Trilobite, with yours truly Blind Geek playing Drar the Raiden Bear, and Moondog playing Lokai Sinclair, Plainsman of the Forest. So... You know, I'm just going to go with the pattern that we've established. Without further ado, grab a cup, bottle, glass, or can of your favorite beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy 
Monkeys Took My Jetpack, issue number 85, House and Home. When we last left our heroes, you guys were uh, bedding down for the night in the manse of one Marquier Bura. Uh, Marquier is a rank, someone who's assigned to administer a territory, essentially. You had come out this way while pursuing talk of a place called the Tanglewood, a unmapped region, uh, which you had not heard of. And being scouts in part and mappers also, you had headed into the Tanglewood, which lived up to its name, and after a few frustrating days of travel, came across a road. Shortly after finding it, you found your path blocked by a felled tree, which was uh, acting as a kind of dam and threatening to flood the road in a storm that was raising the banks of the river, especially where this tree was blocking the water and, well, creating a dam. Seeking shelter for the night, you found a traveler's lodge bearing the markings of a unfamiliar house. Not too surprising. There's a lot of houses in all of this. But there, you encountered a spectral figure. And... Lokai, I believe it was you who followed the figure of this finely dressed noblewoman in a last generation's clothes out to a mansion and set of lands that were somewhat the worse for wear. After a little bit of investigation and a fishing expedition that resulted in the rescue of a stag, the two of you then uh, followed up, and while investigating these lands, came across uh, a another set of holdings that were in far, far better repair. You two thought that this was a little suspicious and decided to head down there, where you were welcomed by Marquier Bureau's people, who set you up in their barn, gave you a bed, the one who could sleep in it, uh, pillows, blankets, a bath, a modest kind of rustic feast. And then after a little bit of discussion, where you were asking about the neighbor, and they said, oh, yes, our Lord is helping the people over there. They've had some misfortune in the last few years. and He's taken them under his protection. That was about as much as you learned, because it was late at night, time to eat and get some sleep. So we join you in the morning unless anyone's sneaking off in the meantime. Didn't the bear go out to the lake or to a pond or something? Yes, at one point, walking out and finding a mill pond, I think, to go uh, take your own bath there, if I remember. Uh, Yes, that's right. I didn't want to take a bath with all the smelly stuff. Also, they didn't have, you know, a copper tub big enough for you. (laughs) And then came back and bedded down on some blankets and some hay with your head on a bed. And it is morning, like you said. Yep. Morning has broken. Okay. So there you are. The storm has passed. Dawn's light is uh, creeping through the windows. Birds are singing. And, well, this is a working manor house, essentially. So uh, there's already 
stable hands and the like, like working around you guys. And everyone has excellent etiquette. So far, yeah. Because That's it is one of the things you've observed. Thank you. But that actually is something you'd observed. <laughs> I'm going to look around and do I see anybody maybe I didn't see last night? Uh, no, you can see the three stable hands here. You weren't fully introduced to everyone by name and role, but okay. they mentioned them. And given that these are the three people working here, that must be who they are. Which one was assigned to me as my personal attendant? I think one was assigned to the bear, if I remember right. He went out with you to the pond. Oh, yes. the uh, I have vague recollection of this. I thought it was from a different book I was reading. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, my brain. That's okay. We've all been there. <laughs> I think it was a boy, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. He was just sent to go with you because you were a guest. Okay. As opposed to, like, really assigned as a personal attendant. And uh, you didn't get one of those either. He doesn't appear to be here, but you had the impression maybe he was one of the people who works more in the house. Something like that. Sure, sure. So I'm going to turn to one of the stable boys, and I'm going to say, good sir, has the marquee arrived? Uh, I thought he was going to arrive either last night or this morning. The uh, young boy here looks up at you, swallows nervously, then looks over at an older gentleman who's obviously in charge. He dusts off his hands, uh, stands up from where he's working, affectionately pats one of the horses, which nuzzles and gives a playful nip at him when he's well out of the way. He uh, comes up to you, wiping his hands off on an old rag. He's a gentleman like light-skinned, gray hair with a bald pate poking through the top like he's got a fringe of fairly neatly kept gray hair. And like most of the other people here, he's wearing sturdy clothing in uh, a dark green and dark red. Those are probably the uh, the Marquier's colors. It's unadorned, but it's nice work clothes. He uh, looks at you with a faint smile and says, Oh, anything I can uh, do to help you? Oh, I was just checking to see if the marquee came in last night. Oh, no, no. He's uh, he's here. Uh, he looks down at the pin that indicates you're one of the Sovereign's finest, and uh, you can see him kind of running through different forms of address. He draws a blank and says, Your Lordship, but... Uh, why don't we cut out the Lordship and you just call me Lokai? Ah, very well. Well, in that case, I'm uh, I'm Uis. Uis? Uh, most folks called me Old Uis on account of that's young Uis over there. There's a toddler hauling a single bucket of water with mm-hmm. all of his might. Am I in the room while this is going on, or are they? I forgot. They're in the yeah. stable. Oh God, no, no, we're in yep. the same room. Yeah, the stable is one big long room. I'm gonna go help him with the water. All right, you head over. He stops, stares up at you, up and up and up as your shadow falls over him. This is where the dramatic music would be playing in a Disney <laughs> film or something before it would cut to some. Uh, oh no, I've forgotten the name of that animator who did basically all the Disney animal characters. Whatever. It would cut to your friendly face as you reach out with like a single claw. This is a modest-sized bucket of water, and it's not even completely full. Okay. Well, He follows along to closely inspect your work as you empty it into the tub which he has instructed to fill. 
Yeah, takes you by one claw delicately and leads you out to the well. Okay. So, uh, no, the, the mark here is here. He'll probably be along a little bit after breakfast. Should be about, he looks over at the goddamn actual clock they have set up in here in the stable. Clockwork and chain pendulums and everything. Uh, should be about, uh, 11, I think, since this is gasoline day. Likes to have a big egg breakfast, uh, uh, with some of the house staff on Gessling Day. I gotcha. Um, Big I was wondering, where's my breakfast? Oh, <laughs> well, we thought you'd be tuckered out, but uh, you bounce back pretty quick, he says approvingly. Do. There's a, yes. There's a rough shepherd's breakfast I can get for you, he says. He points over to a work table that has had a clean horse blanket thrown over it. And a lot of the same kind of leftover type stuff that you had, pieces of cheese, what's probably yesterday's bread, that kind of stuff. A few slices of meat, uh, you know, just one big bowl of porridge with a single spoon, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, if you'd uh, like something a little more refined, well, I could probably get young Hunan. He is the houseboy who does most of the work out here. And I'm sure we could get you into the kitchens. He looks well, over at... Why don't you direct at, me to where the marquee is, and I'll just um, head that way. Mm, he's looking over at you, Grar, kind of dubiously when he says get you into the kitchens. He's actually <laughs> sizing you up. Not like combat sizing you up. Like, okay, no, there's well, a big bear in his stable or wherever. Yeah, I can totally see no, it, not like combat sizing you up. Like actually, like will it fit through the door oh. sizing you up? <laughs> no, I wasn't even thinking combat. I was thinking of uh, will my kitchen stand this bear? <laughs> and uh, old Ewis, as you say that, he uh, looks up speculatively, puts his hand in the small of his back, pushes it to stretch, grimaces a little, says, "Oh, oh, well." I mean, far be it for me to keep one of the Sovereign's finest from going about their business as they see fit, but uh, around here, things run a certain way, and uh, my advice would be to uh, just let the Marquier come to you, or at least finish his breakfast. He's a fine man. He's a good man, but he has a way of doing things that he likes, and part of that is his schedule. You understand? Uh, Not really. Well, but if you think it's best for me to wait, then I will wait. It's I will what I would what the advise. Is having. Why don't you go get that for me, please? Uh, well, sure. I've got my own duties myself, like I said, but uh, I can get young Hunan. Uh, one moment. He walks over to one of the doors where you're being led back in now by young Uis. <laughs> He's carefully leading you back and forth, Grar, and watching very, very closely to see that you are taking the right bucket and putting it in the tub of water, leading you back and forth by the claw. Outside, as you've been going back and forth, it's a, well, a farm going about dawn business. Uh, Hogs are being slopped. Goats are being fed. A horse is having a hoof looked at by a farrier. There's chickens being more or less herded by a pair of cats, it looks like. Um, trained or not trained, who's to say, because they're farm cats, but they are actually like working together and herding some chickens out of a coop and into the fields. 
there's folk in the fields working and a song drifting across the fields to you. All seems right here. Old Uis breaks the reverie of a very pastoral scene and shouts, Hildan! And a moment later, coming! The hell is that? <laughs> Are you okay after that? Ah, oh, no, just calling the boy, he says. And um, the boy, uh, same one who accompanied you out to the mill pond, Grar, uh, dressed in a fitted waistcoat, nice breeches, leather shoes, in the same dark green and dark red. His waistcoat is checkered. His breeches are quartered. It's nice design, a little rustic, a little provincial, a little last season. But, you know, it's tailored clothing. He comes in at a sprint. Uh, yes, Lewis, what is it? Oh, uh, good morning to you, he says to both of you. Morning. Morning. He just waves a hand. Uh, they want breakfast and uh, probably to see the marquier. And uh, he heads to go back to work. Young Hunan, wide-eyed, looks up at you, Lokai, eagerly. Yeah, we'd like to have some breakfast. Could you get that arranged for us? Absolutely. Please, right this way. Thank you, and I will follow the young lad. He uh, goes bustling off, sharing a word of greeting with some of the other people who are going about their early morning work, leads you around to the smithy, which uh, you had inspected earlier, that's at the rear of the house. Here at the rear of the house, you can see some fine pattern brickwork forms the rear wall of this house. The front is all like, it looked like stone, but it must be faux stone. Like that must be plaster over brickwork to make it look larger and more substantial. Back here, it's just patterned brickwork in the rear and leads you to a door on the side that's been propped open. It's very obviously the servant's entrance, because servants are coming and going through it right now. Takes you to the interior of the house. This thing's wide enough to accept cargo and the like, so Grar, you can easily follow if you want. Okay, I will follow. Inside the place looks like, well, a rich person's house from anywhere between the beginning of the Enlightenment and the late Industrial Revolution. If you've ever been in a house like a historical landmark house, or if you've ever seen any British show ever, you've basically got the idea. <laughs> Solid wooden floors that creak under, um, well, everybody's footsteps. Uh, a runner, like a long carpet going up the middle with checkered red and green on either side and the house crest worked into it every so often, paintings on the wood-paneled walls, a faint smell of general house mustiness, and a lot of activity going on back and forth here. There you're led to the kitchen, which is all white tile and red and green painted brick, big roaring ovens, and people shouting back and forth where a very hairy-looking, heavy-set woman takes you guys like you are the burden of the cross. Hairy-looking or harried-looking? Harried-looking. Okay, th I honestly wasn't sure, and I, being a bear, was kind of interested if she was hairy-looking. Anyway, go on. She takes you like you guys are the burden of the cross, 
finds a out-of-the-way table, sets you down, and a couple of the other people more or less pile the upstairs breakfast in front of you. Nice plates, house crest on them, rimmed with gold, goblets, etc. Like, it's very fine place settings. It's just set on a kitchen table more or less indifferently, and the food is generally slopped onto there as people are passing. Interesting. And here you're being more or less left alone. I don't think you're going to embarrass us here. It doesn't look like they really take care of their guests very well. Okay, take care of me just fine. Uh, You would say that. Please keep your wits about you. And when we go to see uh, the Marquis, please do not embarrass me. Yes, your lordship. I like that. Let's keep that going. (laughs) He flicks a piece of bacon at you with his claw. Oh. Sad, didn't you get the memo on don't embarrass us? And I will put together a plate and start eating too. I will watch the people. I'm a people watcher. People here are very, very busy. And that overshadows any other body language you might pick up. This is a working kitchen serving a full house and farm. Looks like everything is basically run out of this one kitchen, as opposed to there being a separate kitchen for the uh, lord of the house and guests and another kitchen for the workers. Everything is being done out of here. So they're feeding maybe two or three dozen people. Do they look happy? I know they're working hard, but do they look like they're working from fear or from contentment? It looks more like this is a job, basically, and they're focused on doing the job. Though, you do occasionally hear laughter. Some of the people who come in are smiling and joking with each other. Friendly greetings are being exchanged. So there's those kinds of signs. Some people, of course, look pissed off the farrier who comes in. He's mad because he slipped and fell in some horse shit, but that's obvious why he's mad. So yeah, overall, that's kind of the air. After a bit of people watching and a party and delicious breakfast, because they just keep piling food onto your plate until (laughs) there's some left. If you clean anything on your plate, someone comes by and drops more off. (laughs) <laughs> if you eat it, they will come? Yep. I'll eat a couple platefuls, and then when they come over for the third one, I'll say, no, no, I'm full. I'm good. Or here. Both of you could easily be very full. The uh, woman who's in charge of the kitchen here, after coming by, she just puts her hands on her hips, and like, kind of like looks you up and down, and then goes... <sighs> she calls out to someone, Jan, that salted ham we have! Catch that. <laughs> he is civilized, but he does love his salted ham. Oh, big, begging your pardon, your lordship, but I can tell he's civilized. You're a right proper rye animal, aren't you? My chest puffs out. I like her. I'm not sure he's proper, but he is civilized. Uh, uh, proper enough for me. She uh, leans over the table and goes to ruffle your fur in the space between your ears that you can't quite reach. Big rumble escapes. Hopefully she'll see that as a contented rumble and not a get away oh, from yeah. me rumble. She smiles and ruffles harder. But you've got to be tough to feed. Hard to manage on the road, I'd imagine. 
she says, with the air of a professional contemplating an unpleasant logistics problem. And it so happens we've got a salted ham that's turning to stone down in the pantry, and maybe we can help each other out. At this point, the person she sent off comes back and drops the ham on the table with a clang because it makes (laughs) everything jump. That's got to be like eight pounds of meat right there. And yeah, you can smell like it smells like the ocean. It smells like a pig just went for a swim in the Dead Sea. (laughs) Look, 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 look. In the people we've seen, has any of them borne any resemblance either in sight or in smell to the spectral woman that we were pursuing? I mean, all people kind of look the same to you. Upright, two legs, right. hands, <laughs> barely any fur hair on top of their heads. <laughs> but the smell, yeah, there's definitely some distant relations here is what you would think. Okay. That isn't too unusual, especially in a lot of the rural communities you've been through, where everybody is like a little bit related in a lot of places. And it's about that level. Okay, I'm just trying to get a lead on this ghost woman, for lack of a better term, coming to mind. Now, that's that sorted, she says, seeing you what she thinks is looking up contentedly and snuffling the air with pleasure. Really, you're like analyzing the people around you, but she doesn't know bears. Probably a little of both, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, uh, he's busy. Would you like to meet his lordship, the Marquier? She says, looking at you, Lokai. I would. I would appreciate that if you can direct me or or take me to him. Uh, Very good. Uh, Tian over there, uh, that's the woman who greeted you the other night. She indicates a rangy, kind of muscular woman in house clothes who's leaning up against the door frame that leads into the, the house proper. She raises her hand in greeting. We'll get you sorted. She looks over. No, not those. It has to be in a proper coffee pot, or it's not really coffee as far as the Martier is concerned. Oh, we'll have to do this whole batch over again. She's off working. Tian is waiting for you over at the doorway. John, lead the way, please. She uh, raises her eyebrows as you approach, gives you a friendly smile, an obvious once-over, and then, like, meets your eyes to see if you're going to return the flirtation. How does Lokai feel about that kind of thing? Just a stranger just straight-up flirting with you. Uh, Lokai is okay with that, and he will give his charming smile and hold his arm out so she can put her arm in it as they walk. Oh, a she, proper gentleman would do that. She gives a genuine, uncontrolled bark of laughter at your smile. Not mocking. It just makes her laugh because it genuinely is a very charming smile. She just is like, <laughs> and then seeing you raise your arm, she waves it away, but she quote-unquote, waves it away by putting her hand on your elbow and pushing it down, and then walks a little closer than is strictly necessary with you as she leads you through the house. She gives you a brief tour. We don't need to go into all the details. It's a mansion. You are now... Yeah, you now have a basic orientation of the mansion. More than you are used to in all this, it is divided into a very upstairs-downstairs. There are certain areas where uh, most of the help is not allowed. 
they can't pass beyond certain thresholds or use certain hallways and house servants are allowed to use those. And then there is a select group of house servants, your butlers, your head maids, who are allowed to walk in the open through what you or I would think of as hallways in a mansion. And there's a whole array of, it's not secret passageways, but out of the way behind the scenes rooms and passageways for most of the help to use. Places that a certain loci could get some certain loving? Uh, most definitely. I'm not asking to do that now. I'm just saying these yep. are places kind of intimate. And that probably, if you're reading her right at all, is the secondary purpose of that tour. Also, it is a little unusual. This is not how they do things in the city. In the city, it's very egalitarian. Here, it's much more divided. And there also are a couple of locked rooms, like the library, his lordship's study. She gives that air quote. It's a place where tobacco and wines are kept and where his lordship goes to smoke and get drunk. There's a few other things, and like only the head butler and his lordship have the keys there. Great. I enjoyed the tour. I think it's time to see the marquee. Yeah, she orients you. And yeah, you get the feeling she's also buying time until she gets a covert nod from one of the maids who's bustling back and forth and then leads you out through a portion of the main house to the parlor. She stops at the threshold. This parlor has a like a foyer, beautiful high windows, flowers on little tables, the room smells of fresh cut flowers and there's a parquet floor, you know, one of those fancy wood pattern floors, big, heavy double doors on the end with a butler standing outside. And uh, she says, and uh, his uh, lordship, the marquier is uh, waiting for you. I'll see you around. Of course you will. I'm not going anywhere for a while. Maybe this evening we can dine together. That sounds nice. She heads off with a bit of a accomplished swagger. Before she goes, I'll say maybe you can find us a more suitable place than the bar. Oh, I have a few ideas. Very good. Very good. And I'll turn and walk into the parlor. Am I still in the kitchen and you or are you am I with you and you guys are just completely ignoring the bear? Nope. Sounded like you were chowing down on the ham. Okay. Great. <laughs> so the uh, in the trouble. The butler gives you a little bow and says, his lordship is expecting you. Uh, Mr. Lo Kai, or excuse me, uh, Sovereign's Finest Lo Kai. And yes. uh, he uh, pushes the door open, announces your presence. When you hear a gruff, well, come, come, from inside, he uh, opens the door the rest of the way and gestures for you to enter. Very good. I will walk in and kind of take a moment to get the layout of my surroundings. Okay. Don't want to be rude, though. Oh, yeah. You can take a moment to look around, and this is clearly a place designed to inspire such a reaction. Very high ceilings. This room is two and a half stories high. Coffered ceilings. You know, when you see in some old buildings how there's regular insets, almost like an egg crate. Yeah. In the ceiling with fancy patterning inside them, 
that's coffering. Coffered ceilings two and a half okay. stories high. It's got its own dome. It's got a huge set of high windows over on one side, a bunch of hunting trophies and bookshelves arranged all over the place, dangerous and exotic beasts from Aldous and neighboring countries posed in threatening manners, placed strategically around also big oil paintings showing the family and its history, large ostentatious furniture. I'm talking rich woods and marble tops with gold leaf, pearl, and semi-precious stone forming an elaborate decorated barrier, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, I will walk forward and take a bow. Sitting at a table playing what is essentially chess. It's a comet and star. Is the marquier. He stands as you enter returns the bow very briefly and says, oh, no need to stand on ceremony. You strike me as a working man, being one of the sovereign's finest. You are very perceptive, your lordship. Thank you. Uh, no, please. You can call me Run or Burra if you're more comfortable with family names. He comes striding forward. He is a huge man, six foot six, six foot seven, probably 280. He's got a gut and jowls but that's over a lot of muscle. And also he's just tall and very broadly built. He comes, his footsteps booming across the floor, big hand extended to shake your hand. I will extend mine. I won't give him the strongest grip I've got, but a firm one. He gives you absolutely the strongest grip he has, not trying to grind your bones together, but squeezing your hand in a vice-like grip while he assesses you. He's got a friendly smile that puts a lot of wrinkles around his green, twinkling eyes. He's got kind of a flushed face. One of those people who's maybe like permanently kind of red in the face. He's assessing you and your reaction and your clothing and everything about you as he's squeezing your hand. What brings the Sovereign's Finest to my humble abode? Oh, we are out doing our duty, checking in with people on the outskirts, making sure there is nothing that needs to be done by somebody of our talents. And we are enjoying your hospitality. Oh, well, good. Glad to do my part as a marquier. It's not often we get visitors of your caliber here, he says. Well, your he, staff uh, just... has been outstanding. I'm pleased to hear it. Uh, They've uh, served our family well, some of them for generations now. And uh, breeding will out, won't it? He gestures to the table where he was playing Star and Comet. There's an empty seat there, correct? Mm -hmm. That's it. Tea? uh, Calf? Perhaps something a little stronger to help start the day? Uh, A nice wine, um, what you recommend, uh, would be wonderful to start the day. The butler disappears silently, and a moment later, like as if from magic, he just kind of seems to step around out of sight. Canter and two cut glasses sets those down. It's a nice cordial, like a fruity, what most people would have as a dessert wine. The butler pours two very tall glasses for the two of you. Well then, to the start of a good day, clink. That sounds good to me, and I'll clink back and take a moment to warm the wine and smell the wine. 
and then take a <sighs> small sip and kind of gurgle it around in my mouth and then swallow. Quite a fine Ooh. vintage. It's sweet, but very strong. You can feel it taking effect even with a full stomach. After one good swallow, you've got the beginnings of a nice wine buzz. The uh, Marquier takes a good gulp himself. Where did you find this elegant drink? Ah, well, that was uh, brought to me by one of my friends in the city. Uh, Actually works with the Capitals Vineyards. You may not have heard of him. He names a couple of famous vinters in the city who okay, he uh, apparently Cornell? has personal connections with. That's my question to you. This is very hoity-toity, upper-class type stuff. Um, I'm a working man, so I'm going to say I do not know. But I'm not along like I am aware of what he's talking about. Yeah, you can keep up a polite conversation. And uh, seeing that you're not really much of a person to talk about wines, he kind of steers the conversation back around to his lands, giving you a brief rundown, and will engage in not banter, but actual friendly conversation with you. So what's a couple things that you want to know? I kind of want to know why he is doing so well and the other house that we pass by is doing so poorly. And I also want to know if he's a betting man and uh, I see a chess board in front of me and I will ask him to play a game of chess. Uh, Oh, you wager on the star and comet, do you? I warn you, I am a fierce competitor. He uh, clears the board, sliding it up. It folds cleverly in the middle so that the pieces on the two sides slide into um, some sort of mechanism concealed in the table, like a dice roller with a bunch of little channels and stuff, which sorts out the pieces. And then when he pushes the board back down, some lever or some other clever mechanism pops the pieces up through openings in the table. Very good. And what should we wager? Well, uh, how about a bottle of the cordial which you remarked upon? I would be honored to wager that. And um, yeah, sounds good to me. Let's play a game. All right. This is going to be an ability check. And Blanky, what are you doing while this is going on? Humans aren't the only ones who like the people watch. Uh, mm-hmm. And I figure I'm going to try and find somebody whose smell bears some resemblance to that of the woman we were following, preferably somebody who is doing a chore that I might help with to build some rapport. Are you confining this search to just the kitchen, or are you going to go out and wander no, around? I'm wandering around. Can't exactly be inconspicuous. Yes. <laughs> just going around on tiptoes. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take you very long once you step outside to find one of the greenskeepers here people who are assigned to manage the wild or semi-wild portions of the holdings. Looks like the head greenskeeper, a short, stout woman, kind of built like a fire plug, about as tall as she is wide, and she's not that tall. (laughs) Sort of the Monk Mayfair of, uh, no, that would be more, never mind. Yes, I know exactly who that is (laughs) and what you mean. (laughs) I also recognize this reference. Yay! I knew there was a reason I liked you. Okay. No, I have no idea who Monk Mayfair is. Oh, I thought you were serious. Doc Savage. Monk Mayfair is a... Oh, yes, 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 that's right. Okay, it's just been a while since I've read any of those. Sorry. Yes. So, yeah, a female Monk Mayfair. (laughs) Like, 
if you put Monk Mayfair in a wig. Okay. Gotcha. All right. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> it. She is one of the closest relations that you've picked up. And now you're getting the sense this is like uh, maybe like three or four generations back probably is the last real intermixing. These are a lot of grandkids, great-grandkids, and weren't her offspring directly. None of them are her great-grandchildren or anything like that. So it's probably three or four generations back that the last mix was. She's got the strongest resemblance scent-wise that you've picked up and also is overseeing the clearing of storm-fallen trees. Ah, perfect. uh, Specifically, the dragging of them through this God-forsaken, hell-cursed, fish-stinking, dung-rotting <laughs> mud, which is all over this God-forsaken, hell-cursed, dung-stinking, <laughs> ill-begotten, ill-mannered manner grounds. Which oh, please the ground tell me she's people. muttering this under her breath. Oh, she- yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> While she's looking at this sled... And at the horse, short and stout like her, it's a working pony in its harness, which seems quite content to be up to its knees in mud and not moving at all. And the sled is half buried in this mud. And she's just muttering this. And then she <laughs> she just like looks at she's like, oh, we are just an ungrateful bitch, aren't you? <laughs> and then notices you approaching. Oh, oh, uh, Sovereign's finest grar. A pleasant morning to you. I am not, as a player, for some reason, it weirds me out that I could just telepathically speak to anyone. I don't know why. I Maybe feel like it weirds your character it, out I a think, little. I think it does. I don't know. He's never quite gotten used to it because that was something that he and Lokai shared for so long, just being in the forest together. I don't speak telepathically to others unless I have to so i give a grunt and i'm just gonna take a hold of one of the trees and pull it to wherever she's taking or put it on the sled or whatever she's trying to do so what you've got here is a long sled right right and the sled has a bunch of chopped down partially denuded trees some of the branches and stuff have been cut off enough to make them fit okay Uh, there's a pile of them there's like a pyramid of them on here and then the sled is hooked to a pony. Both the sled and the pony are mired in knee-deep mud. And the only one who seems to be upset about this is this woman. The pony's, <laughs> the pony's just standing there like, I got a break, man. I'm cool. <laughs> Not my fault. Union rules, man. Can't work in this kind of mud. <sighs> you figure it out. I'm just the horse. The horse is being an asshole on purpose. Right, right. Do I get the sense, probably not, that this horse could understand me if I direct... I direct a thought at him saying, you want the rest of the day off? And I'll see horse if I can kind of looks, kind of respond. Horse looks over at you. It's a very human expression of like, oh, uh, I'm listening. <laughs> well, I got nothing to do, and I can pull that probably a lot easier than you can. Horse goes and flicks its tail in a shrug. Like, man, they'll get off my back, man. <laughs> I go over to where he's hooked. Let's see now. How do, how, I'm going to Don't try worry it. about it. You can just okay. unhook the sled and pull it. Okay. Then I do that. All right. So you go to unhook and the woman steps in here. I She's do. been talking and asking questions this whole time while you've been having an important conversation with the animal. 
Right. Because, you know. I wish I'd thought of that with the stag last session. I could have found out more about, oh, well, live and learn. Yeah, you're not used to this whole thing. Yeah, it Even is. still, you kind of thought you were, having been through, like, four years of schooling and training as a sovereign's finest, probably exactly one adventure each year. Mm-hmm. But you see now why they send you out in the field. You still aren't really used to some of this stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't picture him fitting in much at the academy. I'm looking at the way the book is written. And what I mean by that is in the classes, there are all these things about what the warrior class can do. And very mm-hmm. little of it is devoted to if you're a rye animal. Uh, exactly. You and, were and, like the only one yeah. uh, in the school at that time. Not the only one who has ever gone through the training. But. Right. And so I picture he probably, I probably kept to myself. That's funny. When I play a human, I have no trouble doing the I thing. And for, it's funny. As I'm playing a bear, I have to keep reminding myself to... Anyway, it's a cool role-playing challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I probably kept to myself because even if I could speak with other people, it just felt weird to do so, especially because I didn't feel like I fit in because of the aforementioned uh, human centricity. Getting back to the present, I'm going to pull this sled for her and try to remember... <laughs> To, to actually, you know what? I'm not going to, I was going to say, I'm going to try to remember to co- to talk to her telepathically, but I'm going to just for the, for a while anyway, just build the rapport, you know, let her, just, we're yeah. just going to enjoy the day. Uh, I mean, she's not enjoying the day, but hopefully having a bear pull this, it's going to lighten her load and maybe just be as amiable. That's, yeah. That's so right as way. you, as you move in, um, she says, oh, wait, wait. What have you got in mind there, Sovereign's Finest Grar? Uh, she goes to unhook things, sees what you've got in mind, and goes, <laughs> Oh, I mean, you look like you're pretty strong, but I don't think so, as you are effortlessly pulling this out of out of the mud. It's not even really that hard for you. You're pulling something, but yeah. like you could walk about as fast. I would imagine just have nothing to kind compared of lean to the tree we were it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk yeah, over you. Exactly. Yeah, like the tree we had to deal with last session, this is just a cakewalk. Yeah, these are trees that you, the player, could press your chest against and put your arm completely around. Oh, okay. They're uh, your arms completely around. They're about that big, so it's nothing. It's five of those. I think I will say that to her in my telespeak. Uh, this is nothing. The other day we had to pull a huge tree. Well, <laughs> I could see that. In that case, whoop, and she just vaults up onto the sled and rides along. Thank you very kindly, Sovereign's Finest. So what brings you out here? And She'll happily, humans, God, just chattering all the time. (laughs) She'll happily engage in friendly conversation with you. So I'll kind of go back and forth a little bit here. That's fine. I have no problem. You know me. I love splitting the party up. So go ahead. And Lokai, what kind of star and comet player are you? I'm not great, but I'm I'm good. What's your style? Are you daring? Do you lay patient traps? Do you have grand strategies, or do you try to make bold maneuvers? Are you I very by the book? Traps. Then I'd say, give me here a intelligence check. This will be 3d6 plus your intelligence stat. Gotcha. And keep in mind, one of your die 
is your stunt die. Okay, so I roll 3d6 and then 1d6 for the stunt die. 3d6, one of a different color, if you can do that, or 2d6 and then 1d6. And then add in my intelligence bonus. You got it. Which is a plus one, which is not great, but I'll take it. And then if you get any doubles, let me know. Got nine on the uh, 2d6 plus one. Then on the other die, I got a four. Okay, so do you have any matching numbers in there? I do not. Three, four, okay, and five. Very good. I got. <laughs> All right. Yeah, if you get doubles, let me know, because that's what generates stunt points, and we got some ways we can use those. You got a nine total, right? Yep, and then a four on the extra die. What's that called again? That's the stunt die, and that's just used to indicate when you get doubles. How many the, stunt points I get. How many stunt points you generate, yep. Perfect, so I got a nine. Okay. So, yeah, you make a strong showing in mid-game, but the Marquier is a very cunning player who seems like he has seen all the tricks and read all the books. And so it's a good game. He's not just whipping your ass. And, like, in mid-game, you really start pushing ahead. But then he pulls out some end-game maneuvers that you can't quite keep up with because of where your traps put your pieces earlier yep. and he manages to like eke out a victory. It's a one point victory out of like seven possible perfect. points. I, I wanted the challenge, but let him win. So that is perfect. And uh, what are you guys talking about while you play? Because this is very much the classic. He'll make a move and answer your question or ask a question and then wait for you to make a move before answering himself. It's that kind of exchange back and forth. Well, first question I've got is, we passed another farmhouse. That's right, you were uh, asking mansion, about that. Mansion, uh, whatever you want to call it. And we saw that they weren't doing so well, uh, at least nowhere near how you're doing. Tell me about them. What's going on? Can they use our help? Uh, yes, the Aturans. He looks over toward the tall windows that look out over his lands and toward theirs and says, that's a shame. They've had a run of bad luck the last few years. Uh, since the uh, heads of the household passed away, uh, first the father and uh, then the mother, it's uh, just the twins over there. Um, young people, good people, you understand, but uh, but very young and uh, not quite cut out to running a border territory. I'll wait for him to make his move sure. and then... I'll ask a question after that. I'll go, so how old were the uh, father and mother, the, the lords, when they passed? Oh, it was a shame. In their prime, he says. It uh, must have been coming on uh, 10 years now. In fact, next week marks the 10th anniversary of uh, their poor mother's death. Oh, if we're going to make another move. Give and me a perception test as you're doing this. Okay, no doubles. So do I still roll the other die? Yep. Normally what you'd be doing is rolling 3d6, one of them a different color. A color different. Okay, gotcha. Yep. And then adding okay. them up. Oh, there is a double on that die with one of my other die. Okay. So. Seven, eight. Nine, okay, I got a nine again on the score. 
and your step die. What's what's the number showing there? Six. Okay. So if you want here, Moondog, you can take a look at page three hundred and seventy-five, where you will find a list of role-playing stunts. And you can choose any of those that you've got the points for. And as it turns out, you could pay for all of those. Well, I should say you could pay for any of those. Right, but I can do more than one if it adds up to six. Right. You could do more than one if it makes sense in the situation. Right. I'm saying with the limited time here, unless you have a particularly interesting justification, probably one of these. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense to me. I am going to use new friends. Okay. So for those playing along at home, would you mind reading that one? Yeah. uh, Well, first of all, it's three stop points. Uh, New friends, your action impresses charms or otherwise makes an NPC in the encounter think better of you. Choose one Mm -hmm. character who's present, which is going to be the marquee. That character now admires you or thinks of you as a friend. If Mm -hmm. they're an enemy or just like you already, making opposed communications, persuasion versus willpower, self-discipline test. If you win, the character feels more positively about you and may aid you in small ways. This stunt can set up a future relationship if interactions continue and remain positive. Excellent. So just kind of like playing back and forth and like as he's seeing some of your clever traps that you're like adapting on the fly and the two of you think much alike when it comes to how to play this game. And he's clearly enjoying playing with a new player who uses a different strategy. And he says, yes, well, but uh, breeding will tell, won't it? Uh, Liani, the mother, was the uh, real head of the household, I think. Certainly it's heart and soul. She was a proper noble stock of the old school, you understand, from the strong lines before the war and all this. Mm, it's, It's running very well, but I've not sure how I feel about populism. And uh, the father, well, he was below her station. A border noble only, appointed because of his family's actions in the war. He didn't do anything himself, and he really wasn't worthy of her. It's a tragedy, of course. Uh, it, any death naturally is so, and it uh, diminishes all of us. But uh, I think that... Uh, it also opened a door, and uh, now uh, this area can uh, be run properly, perhaps. I'm just hoping that uh, the twins, uh, young Just Justine and uh, her brother Justin, will uh, see it that way as well. Uh, they're uh, mm, a bit addled, a little bad blood in there, though I think more of Liani shows in Justine. Now, there was a fine woman, he says. He raises the glass to you. And I tap mine to his. Uh, to the old breed. May it ever breed true. The old breed. And I'll take another small sip. And I'll say, so, how did the parents die, if you don't mind me asking? Mm, fever, he says. Oh, that's terrible. And... Is there somebody that is trying to take over the manor? Well, no, I, but I can provide the, the guidance and the finances, which it clearly needs. Uh, I heard to, you were helping them. I've been doing what I can. And, uh, uh, 
that brother's stubborn, much like his father. He uh, refuses to accept what I can offer, insists on going it alone. I've had to take in some of their people, and uh, they've had to put much of their livestock down and let others of their people go, uh, turning them loose. I've done what I can to help, of course, hiring some people, buying some animals, and I've I've offered loans. I've offered outright gifts. Uh, I've offered to buy the land at a more than fair price. I've offered no interest loans. But uh, he insists on uh, running it into the ground. I don't understand it. It does not make sense to me. I think maybe I should pay them a visit on behalf of the Sovereign's Finest and maybe represent you in some way to help along either the acquisition or the assistance that you graciously have offered. Yes, please. Maybe you can talk some sense into that fool. Well, sometimes talking is not the way to... You know, it's not the old way of talking sense into somebody. Sometimes you have to have a firm hand. Well, I'm sure you know best, he says, in the air of a man who is, legally speaking, washing his hands of it and inquiring no further. Gotcha. I will kind of let it go at that. I do have one further question before I take my leave. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Meanwhile... So you finished dragging the lumber sled back to the sawmill here. That was the mill where you were bathing the other day. Right. Probably will bathe again tonight, given all the mud that I've got on me now. <laughs> and in record time, Narash says, jumping down. Some crew come out and are setting to unloading. And she says, lend a hand here or paw. And I, uh, I don't need to nod. I'm a bear. I, yes, I go ahead and just do it. So it takes three or four stout men to move one of these trees and line it up properly, getting it set aside for the mill to work on. They take one to begin sectioning immediately and are stacking the others. But you can grab one almost under each arm. They're too long for that, but you could easily just grab two of these. Okay, And Narash laughs. During the conversation on the way out here, what are some things that you want to know? Or other um, things you'd be looking or sniffing around at. Once we got past a lot of the small the pleasant talk, trees, yeah, yeah. I asked her if she had known of any hauntings around these parts. Ah, okay. So yeah, you guys are now headed back out to the woods. I'll say to do a little okay. more. Okay. Yeah. So and she like waves off others like well, I don't need anyone if you're still willing to help out. Yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> Rest of you get to work skinning and sectioning. She then hops on the sled, uh, holding onto part of it, riding behind you. And she says, Ah, you mean Justine. Uh, I'm Question about setting. And this may be just a thing that we make up, and this is our way of doing it. To me, if I can speak telepathically, I should be able to, or I would like to be able to, project images if i have an image of this person or even my sense of this person because we're dealing in thought we're not dealing in the limited words so yeah sure Works I'm, thinking, for me. I'm just gonna project i'm gonna give her some kind of a warning so it's not just wham but uh, i'm gonna give it's her not, it's unusual running into someone who is very eloquent or someone with an unusual accent it's unusual, but it's about that unusual. So she won't be shocked. Okay. And if I need to make a communication roll or something, I can do that because I only have a one. So I don't. Yep. But uh, I'd was... like to project 
my sense of this woman and what she looks like and maybe even in some way what she smells like, although that'd be an alien concept to somebody who has a human sense of smell, but just try and give her yeah, mainly as far as, the, the look. As far as you can tell, those little nubs on their faces are just for decoration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that was my mistake. I used the wrong name. She's like, oh, you mean Liani. She closes her eyes like a lot of people do when they're receiving a sending. You can kind of hear her going into that full concentration. A person who's not trained with this kind of thing, they have to focus and hold it in their mind to really perceive it. And uh, she shivers. Yeah, that's her terrible thing, she says. Everyone around here's seen it. We're not really supposed to talk about it. His finest. His lordship uh, looks down upon uh, superstitious nonsense and spiritualism. Uh, I understand. It's uh, led to a lot of bad stuff. Well, it's led to a lot of bad things out in this part of the world. There's still areas out here that are haunted by uh, ghosts from the war and spirits conjured up by the lich kings she gives a genuine shiver as if she's cold so you saw her too huh (laughs) uh, 10 years ago this week she says uh, she is uh, head of the manor over yonder you may have seen it she says pointing over there the Aturin place fallen into ruin since her death uh her husband passed of a fever just a few months before she did herself. And uh, now her ghost walks these woods. She led us here. She nods. Probably returning home. Spirits of the dead. They're uh, caught in a cycle, my grandma used to say. Endlessly living out portions of the lies they don't realize they've left behind happens when someone has unfinished business living caught in cycles too mm-hmm. and then some people strong of spirit or uh, with something left behind or maybe sometimes my grandma said just too dumb to know they were dead <laughs> continue to live out those cycles but i haven't seen her i get a chill just thinking about hates here we are here's our next set we're uh Going to go for that big bastard over there, she says, since I've got help. (laughs) Set to work. Just break off some of the bigger branches. I'll get in there and do the fine work, she says, pulling out a finely made hatchet. Okay. I'm going to do exactly that. Like I said, I got built-in machetes. So what else do you want to know while you're out here working? That was mainly it. I uh, just wanted to know who this person... I don't know, as Sovereign's Finest, whether we are supposed to dispatch these things. I mean, she's not harming anybody. She's just wandering. If they're dangerous, yes. But as far as we know... If you're able to. Right. But as far as we know, I haven't seen anything to indicate that she's dangerous. She's just lost. Yeah, she hasn't talked about it. She'll share a few other stories. She's seen wandering the manor lands and, from what she can understand, the house, the Aturin house. So let me just get this straight. She was the owner of the manor next door. Yep. Okay. She and her husband, though from what she's saying, Liani was kind of the real head of the place. She was married, happy marriage by all accounts, to, it sounds like, lovely children, twins, a brother and a sister, Justine and Justin, 
about 10 years ago. They both died. Roger, you know what? That's going to be too confusing. Let's just call him Roder. There we are. So Roder, Roder the father who like married into the holding here. Liani was uh, like her family were the original Marquiers. Rodier fell ill, came down with a fever and passed. And a few months later, so did Liani. And the twins are Justin and just Justine. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> they were 12 when their parents passed. Technically legally adults out here. But the only ghost we've seen as far as we know, only ghost we've seen is Liani. We haven't seen any of the other ones, which is not to say they're not there. Well, and that's the her. only one she's talking about. Okay. I will ask her if uh, Justin and Justine are still – and if you just said this, I apologize. I was taking notes at the same time. Yeah, that's fine. If, if Justin and Justine are still alive. Yes, they are. And just struggling to try to run this place by themselves – do you have any skills, Grar, any focuses related to communicating with people, making friends, anything like that? You uh, don't need them to do that, obviously. I do have psychic as a novice talent, which is about the only thing that could possibly be. Yeah, and- no worries. So this is going to be then a communication test. Okay. I rolled. I'm super curious. How are you doing the drama die? Well, years ago, Pat and Nikki met at Origins and got me a couple Braille six-sided dice. So you have like some different Braille. Yeah. What they do, they take the six-sided die and instead of having the holes, they just put Yeah, they dots. just raise it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that's my drama die. I rolled two ones and a four. So I get one stunt point. And my total with my communications added, it's seven. Not the best roll in the world on 3D6. Yeah, no worries. You are welcome to, if you want, use one of the role-playing stunts on page 375. Okay. Uh, oh, wait. There's exactly one that's one point. Okay, what is it? Bon mot. You tag the perfect witty remark onto the end of your action, affecting all who hear it that much more deeply. If you can't think of one, the rest of the players and narrator quickly brainstorm options and you choose among them. Word of your wit is likely to spread for good or ill. So if you want that, I'm going to interpret this as not so much, oh, he's such a funny raconteur, that bear. (laughs) You simply must invite him to your next party. (laughs) He said the most scandalous thing to me while we were knee-deep in mud chopping down (laughs) dead trees. Um... This is more like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Like, he helped me out with this. And, like, that is kind of what's going to spread among the people in the household. Yeah, I'll take that. Why not? And your grand total there was a? Seven. Okay. From what you're hearing here, people stay away from the Aturin place because it's haunted. And it's not just people here. Stories of that have spread far and wide. So even a lot of the travelers who might come to stay there or people who might have business out here, they just go elsewhere because they don't want to go to a haunted place that's falling apart and also is run by a couple of kids who, it sounds like they're doing their best, but they just don't know what they're doing. And the brother, by all accounts, will not allow the Marquier here, the Marquier Bureau will not allow him to help. 
you throw a ghost on top of all of that, and it's just it's bad news. Pride goeth before a fall, Justin. That's kind of what she has, and she seems a little sad about like they seem like sweet kids, but what can you do? Okay, awesome. Meanwhile, back at the manor house. Meanwhile, back at the Ponderosa. <laughs> so, I had one question left, and yes. that was, um, how similar does the daughter look to toward or look like her mother? Uh, she's a vision of ravishing beauty, just like her mother. Oh, same characteristics and hair and cheekbones and... If such a thing were possible, you never saw Liani, but she was a vision. If it were possible for an earthly creature to surpass that perfection, then Justine has done so. Very well. As I stand up to leave, you know, we may be around a while. If you have services of a big bear and myself, we are at your beck and call. Thank you. Well, if I know my people, Sovereign's finest Grar has already been put to work. Oh, I'm sure he has. He does like to please people. Uh, He gets fed better when he does that. (laughs) Well, just... (laughs) He he laughs. He's like, well, just like a rye animal. hmm? Oh, excuse me. One of the the rye folk. Always willing to pitch in from what I've heard. That sounds like a genuine... A genuine, like, warm comment on his part. And uh, keep in mind, of course, I understand your sovereign's finest. I respect your duty. <laughs> he gives, like, a little waving gesture. Says, but uh, you are guests of the Marquis Arbira, and you need not lift a finger save to ring a bell to summon someone to fulfill your desires. I greatly appreciate your hospitality. And will do my best to earn your respect and allow you to continue to think well of Sovereign's Finest. Hmm. He gives a bow like you would give someone for a well-phrased set of perfectly proper pleasantries. And I bow back. And uh, says, and uh, we'll have to put you up in uh, better quarters, uh, uh, won't we, Efren? Uh, he says, looking at the butler there. Of course, sir. And I don't want you to forget, I owe you a bottle of that wine. Oh, please. Think nothing of it. Efren, Efren gives a, another nod and uh, presents a bottle to you. Well, I'm not going to decline that because that would be rude. So I accept the wine and bow again. I do not know where we get such fine, fine leaders, but you have truly outshone any in the city. Well, breeding will out. (laughs) I laugh. Unless you have to rush off to see about your duties right away, uh, may I suggest a hunt? Birding is excellent after these spring storms. That sounds like a wonderful activity. And maybe I can work a little back on, um, maybe we can have a little wager there, too. Marvelous! Efren will see to everything you need. And that sounds uh, excellent. Uh, right this way, finest. Thank you, and I walk out. All right. So, cutting back to Grar, you're uh, putting you're in some hard work, okay. building some rapport with folk. I'm getting hungry. Is there anything else in particular you want to do? If not, I'll just cut ahead to later. 
Yeah, I can't. I'm. I've got what I was looking for. I think now I, at this point, uh, I don't want to do too much more till I've had a chance to confer with Lokai. Okay, very good. So Lokai, you're taken by Efren, who, from the way people are acting around him, must be the head butler. He leads you to an armory where they bring in like a nice chair to sit you down and get you outfitted with proper hunting clothes, high boots, long tailed coat, tall hat, all that good stuff. A gentleman's hunting outfit. Is Ephraim doing this, or is he overseeing it, or is he still there? He's overseeing the process. Ephraim, what kind of weapon shall I use tomorrow? Well, sir, I'm sure you know best, but I might recommend this crossbow. Uh, Does sir know his pull strength? Uh, Sir knows... You probably would. You've got training in bows and stuff like that. Yep. Yes, I do. And you name that, and he pulls out one. Because, you know, like the crossbows, they have several rated by the pounds of pull. Yeah, it's like pull cues. you got different sizes. And- yeah, exactly. So, like, you go over different sizes and makes and everything of crossbow and find one that genuinely fits. And this is not tomorrow, the hunt. He's talking about basically once you're ready. Oh, like we're going today? Yeah. Oh, that sounds excellent. Does he have an objection to Gar coming with us, the bear. The more, the merrier. Well, you know, if we hit something, we'll send Grar out to catch it, like a common dog. <laughs> that seems rude, but uh, you know your friend. Yes, I do. So, the three of you, then, are out hunting, it sounds like. Grar, that sound yeah. good to you? Sure. Okay. So out in the bracken and heath, there's moorland here, not quite swamp, but extremely wet grassland. It's only not a swamp because those of us who live in North America know that a swamp is hot and has alligators in it. Like oh <laughs> Have I had a chance to clean up between working in the or does it really matter? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You're just going to get dirty again. Well, yeah, now yeah, you're getting dirty that. again. Yep. That's true. There's, I'm not sure he would care when we're... Never mind. Anyway, go on. <laughs> There's a couple of hunting hounds. There's a hound master. Naresh, who's the head greenskeeper, is pulled away from her duties as the hunt guide because she knows the land very well. He apologizes for not having a proper hunt master as they haven't had time to replace the last one. Uh, by the way, be careful. The footing around here is treacherous. There's peat bogs everywhere. And often there's sod and grass growing right over them. So test your footing. That apparently is what happened to the last Huntmaster. <laughs> there's Chekhov's gun, if I do say so. <laughs> 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 Markier is mounted on horseback, and Lokai, you would be as well. It's mostly a matter of the hounds and Grar, are you joining in in locating the prey or kind of ambling along and enjoying a pleasant day outside and one of the diversions of the nobility? I'm going to help hunt. Okay. The hounds who at first are like, uh, we're birding dogs. We cannot kill that bear. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget it. But when the houndmaster with some quiet encouragement gets a hunt alongside you, in 30 seconds after that, once you're snuffled over and you're on the job with them, 
then you are their best friend. You've been adopted. <laughs> and you are part of the pack. Nice. The three of you then um, locating some group. of these. Yeah. Uh, the three of you then <laughs> are sniffing out great grebes, which are a ground dwelling bird that lives in these wetlands. Picture a duck with a long neck and then absurdly long stilt legs huh, okay. and gigantic goddamn feet. It's almost like an ostrich, except the longer duck. And so, yeah, yeah, like an ostrich has an extremely long neck, but like the body is like the size of a duck's. Oh, a mini ostrich. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a mini ostrich with great big long toes. Okay. So it can almost walk over the surface of water. Oh, cool. Okay. They live on the ground. They make very well-hidden nests in like impenetrable thickets. And it's you and the hound's job to try to find these. This is going to be a perception check. And if you have any focuses related to tracking, you can apply those. All right. Uh, I have smell. That's That'll good. work. Yep. Because that's, that's how you're finding these things. It's good enough for them. It's good enough yep. for me. Okay. So that's plus two. 12 is on the dice. Perception is three. So 15 and then plus two for the focus is 17. That took. Okay. So so you're, you are leading the hounds in no time. (laughs) Okay. Immediately. They are like, this guy is great. (laughs) Where are we going boss? Where are we going? Is there something over here? I'll check out on that side. You check out on that side. Okay. And then point. When they find, like, you've just led them into the mother load here through a impenetrable thicket and more deadfalls that you bulldoze your way through <laughs> out into a, uh, a open clearing, which uh, the marquier is like, we've never been in here before. And everywhere are big thickets. Every single one of them has at least one nest in there. So there's dozens and dozens of these great grebes, and you have opened up new hunting territory. Once that's done, then the hounds who find it and then point and then happily loll around and start trying to get you to play with them. That can be dangerous. Yes, they have no idea. They are dogs. Therefore, they are idiots. (laughs) I play with them as gently as I can. Oh, yeah. They love that because then they can go ham on you, like full-on biting, shaking, pulling as hard as they possibly (laughs) can, and it does nothing to you, and they're having a great time. (laughs) Once they've located the birds, then it's Narash's job along with – let's see. Who got roped into this here? Yeah, along with young Hunan, who is the boy who was attending to (laughs) you earlier. Yep. (laughs) To beat around the bush. Ah, yes. As in, like, with sticks to drive out the birds. Once the birds come running out, they come running out on their ridiculous Kevin from up-sized legs, build up speed with their short little wings, and then take off. You have to get them in that short little run, because once they take off, They are chinking and ducking like fighter jets. Mm. Mm. That's going to be an accuracy check for you, Lokai, if you have any focuses related to, say, ranged weaponry. You don't have any focus. would apply. But you are trained with bows, so you're not suffering any penalties, 
like right. most. And people I have a plus think. three in accuracy, so that helps. There you go. I'm gonna let him shoot first out of respect. Nice. That's okay. No, I just was looking. I have tooth and claw, but I forgot. I wrote down some of my talents, and I forgot to write down what that one does. Oh yeah, you could swat these birds as they come out, but that's not your job. Right. I've done my job. I'm playing. Yep. Yeah. The the dogs (laughs) keeping the dogs occupied while you guys do your job, which the hound master is grateful for because he also has to join in beating around the bush. (laughs) And the dogs are like, "Okay, job's done. Let's play." (laughs) Later, we're gonna have to go get some birds. Yeah, that's right. Soft mouth, soft mouth, but not right now. (laughs) So what do you got there? Uh, You're letting the Lord shoot first because you are a proper person. And for that, I will give you an additional plus one. Okay. So give me an accuracy roll. I roll a four and a five and add the plus four. That's 13. And then the other, I don't know, add the other die. I just add the two die, right? Nope. You, uh, you add all three together. One oh, of them okay. just needs to be separate so that, you know, we know, like, how many stunt points you get. Okay, I understand now. Then 20, no stunt points. It is a bonanza. Beautiful, big, soft, plump birds. And you and the Marquier Bura, who by the end of the hunt is insisting that you call him Rune, are then riding back with six great greaves tied on either side of your saddles, each of you. And you're taking them perfectly right through the sweet spot, not damaging the meat, instantly and painlessly killing the bird. I love that. Not ruining the feathers either. Well, you're quite a marksman. Oh, plenty of training. That's what I went to the academy for. Tell me all about it as you're riding back. He's in a great mood. You are his close friend after having spent a day out hunting. He clearly thinks of you as, you get the feeling not quite a noble. That still is a special thing in his mind, but you're clearly a person of good breeding, the right kind of person. So the academy you're asking about, uh, it's a dreadful place, very effective at training, but you're up at the earliest hours, you stay up all day, you train, you exercise, you learn with your other classmates. And that's where I met Grar, was at the academy as we were training to be Sovereign's Finest. Ah, yes. Grar. Friend Grar, come up here. I nearly forgot. Friend Grar, come up here. It was you who led us on this excellent hunt. I flip, now keep in mind, I'm pulling punches here, flip the dog who's been on my back nuzzling the back of my neck oh yeah or, or off of me and much to his protesting delight yeah I, I get up and wander back over to them they fall along not nipping at your heels but just full-on biting your heels and hindquarters <laughs> until a sharp whistle from the hound's master and then then they kind of like they <laughs> and, slink- and a rather pointed <clears throat> from me <laughs> they slink off away from their new friend looking quite appropriately hang dog <laughs> You, uh, John, you've got quite a touch with the hounds. Not every one of the rye folk gets on with domesticated animals. What's your secret? Play. Uh, straight and to the point. You know, I like you two. I'm glad that you've come by. When we get back, we'll have to have a feast befitting of the success of our expedition. And he starts launching into... I like this idea. 
<laughs> he uh, then launches into Oh Mighty Hunters We, which is like a painful grandpa type drinking song. We're <laughs> okay, like, oh. wait. <laughs> painful grandpa drinking. I'm not sure. Like uh, it's a it's a painful like oh grandpa you know like, like a world type drinking song. song yeah oh mighty hunters we <laughs> exactly in <all> reality <laughs> it's so is Grar joining in of course he is. Oh, <laughs> He thinks that is the best. <laughs> I've been working with him to teach him to talk, but it's just beyond his capability at this time. It, and why? Why? Rifok have no need of it. Oh, well, you know, maybe he doesn't want to come off that way. That is amusing. Sometimes I get irritated. He's always in my head. Sometimes I just want to have a conversation with Not sound. always in your head. Words. He says only in your head. That must be interesting. Tell me, I don't think this is too forward. Forgive me if it is. Are the two of you rye-bonded? Do you share the rye-bond? I believe we do, actually. I have that we do, machine. but I was waiting to see if you wanted the answer or I. Oh. Yes. <laughs> he is quick with the answers, but... Yes, we are. Uh, we were uh, rye-bonded at the Academy. Oh, no, no, no. We know each other before that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, we were rye-bonded at uh, my forest folk. We have a tradition to become a man that we have to go out and hunt. One other reason why I am a good hunter. Well, I went ah. out uh, to prove myself and earn my place in my tribe, and I came across a beast that I probably should not have tried at my young age, but... Mm, let me guess. He looks at you, Grar, and, like, gives you a conspiratorial wink. Still working on the man part. <laughs> <laughs> he is entertaining, isn't he? I see why you two get along. Yes. Long years ah, the of bond. hopefully being good members of the crown. And the bonds of youth forged in the travails of the Academy, and now sharpened by the dangers of the frontier. You put it much better than I did, sir. <laughs> I was saying feast. that to the Marquis. Yep. We may not have enough food for this feast, so my friend here can eat a lot. Oh, I'll put that to the test, he says. Your guests of the Marquis are Bura, and the Buras have ever treated well, those who deserve our respect. So, cut to a mighty feast. Um, well, actually, you guys get back, and then there's preparations that have to be made, including, well, you've got to bathe, I imagine, Grar, or want to, perhaps. Before we cut completely away, as we're talking about the feast, I ask oh, yeah, yeah. the Marquier, invite someone to feast. Of course. Thank you, your lordship. Please. We've hunted together. Look <laughs> at this bounty we've secured. The bonds of shed blood and combat of a sort. Call me Rune. Thank you, Rune. Call me Grar. Of course, Grar. 
So now we can cut to where we were going to go before. I am yeah. going to, uh, if I can find, and I don't remember her name, damn it. The, the woman, greenskeeper? Yes. She was with you. She got dragged away from her duties to serve as the hunt guide. Oh, she's because her last hunt guide perished in the moors. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, right. Yes. Yep. Okay. So she's right here with you. She's guys. right here. Okay. Yeah. Then I'll just look at her and say, feast. Well, I won't pass up a sitting at the Lord's table. Thank you. She uh, comes up beside you and uh, reaches up to hook her stout arm as much as she's able to around your neck <laughs> and give you a give you a, what is for a human a powerful squeeze. <laughs> Friend. Hmm. And uh, well, they don't she, hear like, our conversation with each other, correct? Right. Okay. Good. Go ahead. I think we get to choose that. Yes, you can decide. Rar? Hmm? No mate. <laughs> no mate. <laughs> you already have mate. Ghost woman. Mate. <laughs> Go ahead with, with the now. And with that, he trots off. <laughs> so yeah the feast has to be prepared guard sounds like you're gonna bathe yep. um at the very least loci a change of clothes would be necessary and plus I you know it. well the people who do the work have to prepare everything so you have four hours well i just wanted to have a conversation with Barr. yeah yeah i think we need that i don't know if we're on the same page about what the conversation is but i think we definitely need to have a conversation. So set the scene. Where are you guys meeting? Uh, or where are you guys having this conversation? Well, I'm bathing at the pond, so if you want to... I guess that's where we're having it. <laughs> I'll be his attendant I mean, for the moment. <laughs> oh, yes, and if you don't think that I'm going to be uh, milking this, you don't know me very well. I, I do know you very well. <laughs> we're bonded, remember? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Get used to this attendant. I wouldn't if I was you. <laughs> when we go back out on the road, you'll well, not have an attendant, <laughs> and I will be no mated. You don't look like monkey. So, let me ask you, did well, you find you out any information? Like uh, yes, but monkeys have mates. Grar flips open his notebook. <laughs> yes. God, yeah. I'm just going to give him this in a series since we've established I can send him. Yeah, uh, that's fine. You could do it out of character. Yeah, I mean, also I, if you because want. I don't. Otherwise, I have to figure out how to phrase all this in his yeah. broken thought burst speech, and nope. I don't really want to do that. Um, which no is why, for those who care, that's why I have him speaking in Tonto lingua. It's not any kind of thing. It's just I picture it coming in quick yeah. bursts of of just makes sense to me. Yeah. So I just wanted to make because I was listening and going. I hope people don't think I'm being some kind of a like yeah, um, no, because you're not playing like. So he's a redskin, so he talk like this. <laughs> uh, he's a bear. Yes, he is. Okay, the ghost woman's name is Liani. She, along with her husband Rodere, own the manor estate next door, which is the uh, Aturin Manor. Ten years ago, they both died. Uh, Rodere was ill, and then passed away a few months later, and then Liani passed away soon after. She yeah, has... it was very fast. She was a few months after him. Oh, okay. Was it from the same... We're going to pretend I asked her this. Was it from the same illness that she passed away? She did mention that, yes. Okay. Now, she has two twins, a brother and a sister, Justin and Justine. They are struggling to run the manor now by themselves, but 
it's not going well because people are staying away from a Turin Manor. As far as people are concerned, it's haunted, it's falling apart, and it's being run by two kids who don't know what the hell they're doing. Marquier Bruna has offered to help, and Justin will have none of it. But yeah, there's obviously some unfinished business because Leonie keeps haunting this area, and a lot of people have seen her, but they don't mention it much because Bruna, who gave me something else to call him, and I didn't write it down. Rune is his name, and he's the Marquier Bura. Bura. B-U-R-A. I'm trying to go off my... Yeah, no worries. Um, These are all weird fantasy names. Yes, they are. (laughs) Uh, Rune Bura. So I'm thinking we're only supposed to stop spectral entities if they are endangering people, and so far... I haven't seen any indication that she's endangering anyone. She just seems lost wandering around, maybe not even aware that she's dead. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Maybe tomorrow we need to visit that manor. Yeah. I think best thing we can do is to get that manor back on track and maybe try to repair some of the damage done by both the parents being, well, killed by the illness. So how old does that make Justine and Justin? I believe they're teenagers at this point. They were 12 when their parents passed. And that's no, uh, that this, 10 like ago. 10 years ago this week. That's right. Am I allowed to marry? Absolutely. If you have You're a not mate. a Jedi. I'm trying to find you a mate. Rur, that is very nice of you, but I will find my own mate. But I think tonight we have to enjoy the feast and gather. Actually, you did very well in your information gathering. Thank you. Uh, I may have to play your attendant one more night. Just for that good grown sacrifice. You worked hard. I, on the other hand, got much of the information that you had. I also established a friendship with Rune. And as long as I keep my place, we should be fine. I think when we go to the feast, you need to dial your eating back. Hungry. I understand that, but... At least take your time like you're savoring the food rather than just swallowing it. There are manners and etiquette we need to follow at one of these. there are uh, manners. We are in manner. Smart bear. Are you done done with your bath? Are you done with your bath? Scrub my back right over on the upper left side there. I'll take out my scimitar. No! No, I flip it around so it, it, I can just give it a little scratch. I'm trained in the scimitar. Yeah. I don't Fight. have big, long nails that I can use to scratch a damn back. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking when you said, you know, I'm pulling up the scimitar, I'm like, that's probably about right, actually. Yeah. Big old exactly. back scratcher. <laughs> yes. There you go. You can Find name your blade. Tree. Find you a what? A big tree. Okay, I'll put the scimitar away and find a tree branch that's no, no, I no, I mean like a big tree. I, I'm getting out of the pond. Oh, I see. Like a big you want tree to trunk. Oh, yeah. Off on a tree you trunk. know where okay. a bunch are because yeah. you just spent pretty much the, the, like, the first half of the day in the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I find a tree while we're talking and start rubbing up against the bark. Well, Which, incidentally, do I've done that as a back? human being, and it feels oh, it's damn the best. <laughs> I do bear scratches all the time when oh, I get the chance. It feels great. Yeah, it does. I can't uh, wipe my ass on a barbed wire fence as I once saw a bear do. But Oh, God. Okay, I'll have to keep that in mind. In case the back rub part. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, you guys get out a lot more than I do, I think. <laughs> Nature, man. It's awesome. Except for the bugs. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of bugs. Me either, but you got to take the good with the bad. I'm not going to say it. I was going to say, no, you don't. You just stay inside, man. There's a yeah. reason that we killed pretty much all the animals. And <laughs> raised everything. And yeah. Covered it with asphalt. Uh. It's because it sucks. It sucks. Nature's full yeah. of things that want to eat you. and scorpions and bugs. and, and they, Yeah, they generally will leave you alone, but they're just goddamn everywhere if you give them a chance. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, that's true. And yet, I want to go camping, so I don't, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. My camping is fine. Oh, no, that's... Room. No, camping is controlled exposure. It's not yeah. being stuck there with no other options. That's true. You know, that's, that's a big difference. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. true. Good point. Okay. All like, right. There's a reason we built civilization, and camping is a good break sometimes. That's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. Unless you guys have anything in particular you want to accomplish at the feast, question mark, I think um, we can handle it in a pretty abstract fashion. Yeah, I think that's true. The only thing I want to accomplish is... I want to continue to build my relationship with Rune. I want to make sure Grar doesn't embarrass us and oh, yeah, get a little nookie nookie set up. Okay, so we'll take those kind Mate. of one. I think we'll. <laughs> That's what I want to accomplish. I think we'll take those one at a time. Yep. So, first of all, you want to. I'm trying to build that relationship. You want to build. Thank you, God. I was getting all these weird business buzzwords in the way. In my, I've been dealing with some shit recently, and so I have dumb words like how to grow the relationship. I'm like, no, we already have a word for that. It's called increase. Yeah. So, yes, you want to build that relationship. Now, you're on very solid ground. He likes you. He clearly thinks you're the right kind of person sounds wrong. That sounds like country club code for white. But I mean, he thinks you're a person with the right outlook on life and someone who shares a lot of similar viewpoints to himself about how life should be approached, which is with a certain amount of skillful mastery and an attempt to cultivate being good at things like that kind of stuff. That's what I mean by the right kind of person. You're someone worthy of respect and not because of your position uh, or not solely because of that. So you're on a good, a good foundation. What would you do to try to build that during this feast, which is it's a lavish 27 course dinner. Feast. <laughs> Yeah, and they're not giving you, Grar, any of this like little bullshit aperitif. Oh, here's a single <laughs> sliver of goose with a sauce, which honestly, though, if you do have a multi-course dinner, that makes a lot of sense because each one is one perfect flavor. Yep. And then if there's a million courses or whatever, then you have room. Yep. I think I'm going to relate to him as a man. I haven't seen a wife yet. No. And he I'm hasn't mentioned ask- one either. I'm going to talk about how he um, handles himself with the ladies. Is there a wife around or anything? I don't see her here. Ah, well, sadly, by the time I uh, met Lilani, she was already married. Mm. Just kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. 
And uh, well, she passed so soon after her husband did, I never had the chance to try to do the right thing and step up and uh, make an honest woman out of her. And uh, well, I just haven't found uh, anyone. Well, I hadn't found anyone before or since who uh, seemed like they would be a good mate. Justine seems to be a solid stock. Mm. Uh, her brother, I'd be entering into a whole difficult family relationship. And, uh, well, she's a lovely woman. And, uh, uh, yeah, she's a, she's a lovely woman. Uh, but, uh, uh, perhaps she'll, she'll come around someday. I, uh, I think her brother has, uh, poisoned her against me. That boy's irrational prejudices of, uh, mm. They're holding him back in life, and her as well. well. I will definitely talk good of you over there, and I'll work on Justin. Uh, that's what we do. We build relationships. And solve problems. Here's to that. Yeah, but I put my glass up. So I think definitely that can count as building a relationship, unless you had something else particular in mind. Oh, I'm just trying to build the man code. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a sample of a lot of what's going on here because it is a lot of what I call <laughs> men kind of talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not gross, misogynistic, rapey talk like a lot of guys try to pass that off as, oh, it's just locker room conversation. No, motherfucker, yeah. you're talking about sexually assaulting a human. Die. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm no, with this, is, this is more the kind of stuff that's like seizing life by the throat and good food and good drink, the kind of thing you might hear in a Viking feast hall. Good hunt. Yes, that kind of talk. Yeah. You know, the joy of the hunt, the pleasures of gaming. Some talk about conquests, but very coded, and more about, well, I'm so good looking that this, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> and that's just, it's um, playful bullshitting. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let's see, making sure Grar doesn't embarrass us. I think that's easy. I mean, Grar, you're civilized. You're a person. You know what manners are. And frankly, the Marquier here seems determined to put your stomach to the test. Oh, like that. So what's Grar doing for his part in this feast? I'm trying to keep in mind what my companion asked of me. But trying is the operative word. I start out eating methodically and slowly and savoring each bite. But after a particularly yummy piece of meat, I forget myself. And <laughs> But after that, I start to mingle and mm-hmm. see if I can find any kids to play with. Although, I feel like I'm making him too much like a dog. He's not a dog. He's a bear. But I kind of like the idea that he's got an affinity for people and kids in particular. I think yeah. as a rye bear, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I'll keep that yeah, dog. Makes sense. makes sense to me. He's just an amiable, friendly, like kind of outgoing person. Yep. Here, it's pretty much just you guys along with Narash, who was invited. Yes. So it's just you guys. Okay. For if, some reason, I thought it was a bigger party. The way he talked about it, it certainly was. 
he was talking about it like that, but you're used to a party or a feast, meaning like some uh, lord or business person or whatever, or in some of the villages, just a person throws open their doors and everyone brings stuff. And that's what you're used to. Right. This is a 27 course dinner with help and like the four of you at a very big, like, the original Batman movie from 1989 uh, table. It's like, oh, it's a nice place. What? I said it's a nice place. (laughs) You often have dinner here? Looks around. You know, to tell the truth, I'm not sure I've ever been in this room. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so strike what I just said. I'm not going to edit it out, but strike it for continuity. After I've gotten over my initial, oh my gosh, the food is... I'm probably going to get a little bored, to be honest, because I don't know if Rune and Lokai are within earshot or anything. Oh, yeah. You guys are all at the table. Okay. And he's very happy to engage you in conversation, too. He wants to know all about how you guys grew up and what it was like for you in particular going through the academy. He's very curious about your family. Okay. Um, and I'm going to, possibly to Lokai's irritation, I'm just going to answer everything honestly. So I tell him about how it was hard to <laughs> He loves in. that. Academy was it was not easy. It was hard to fit in. I've never been comfortable with with mind speak with anybody but Lokai. And there are so many classes for warriors that I don't that don't fit me. I got through the academy, but it was it was challenging. Well, I appreciate your forthrightness. I hope I haven't brought up a painful subject or a painful manner of speaking of it. Please. You uh, don't have to speak unless you wish to. (laughs) Okay, and I dive into the next course. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't upset. Go ahead, I'm sorry. (laughs) He wasn't upset. He was genuinely concerned and considerate and like being magnanimous toward his guest and clearly taking some pleasure, at least, in being able to be a good host. But I'm sorry, you were saying Moondog. I was just going to say, I think there should be some kind of role to see who wins the eating contest, whether uh, Ruin can feed him more food than he can eat, or he eats Ruin out of house and home. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah. This is going to be a constitution check. Okay. Let's see. What is my constitution? Ooh, I have five stunt points. I don't know what I would use them for here, but I've got... This is a great place to use stunt points. Check out page 375. So my total, just for the record, including my constitution, was 17. Okay, I was going to say you're going to have to beat a 15. I did. And I have five stunt points, so let me see... So Um, now they're opening up the kitchens, making new stuff, and opening the larders. (laughs) Yeah! Well, I would stop, but he said, he challenged. (laughs) Um, They're breaking into the reserves. Exciting opportunities is the stunt that I'm going to tag. And for those playing along at home. Your action impresses or inspires an NPC in the encounter or somebody who could logically hear about your actions. While there is no immediate effect, this may lead to some important group or character offering you future patronage or membership of an exclusive organization, an invitation to a restricted event, or some other significant future opportunity. Okay. 
and I have something in mind for that, actually. Perfect. Noted and noted. And that was only four, but I don't think you have to use all your stunt points. No, you don't. Okay, cool. You don't have to use any of them if you don't want to. Yeah. Excellent. There was one other thing that you wanted to do, Moondog. Let's see. You wanted to build build your relationship, make sure he doesn't embarrassing us. And then what was the third thing? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Get together with a certain female. Okay. So that's later. And that basically is like, okay, you do. Yeah. I, I don't want to make about it. how I was going to handle that. Yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> I don't want to make it weird. Oh, I'll show you weird. <laughs> you do every time we play. <laughs> that was in some movie, I think with Kevin Bacon. Serve. Or something like that. I don't remember. It was a surprisingly good horror movie that had no business being as good as it was. But at one point, I think it's Kevin Bacon. He's like, did you feel that? He's having sex with his wife. Oh. <laughs> she has just mounted him. And he's like, and she's like, what? And he's like, something weird. She's like, I could show you weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way she says it is perfect. Sounds like something Sulu would say. Yes. You know, I could show you weird. Yeah. They finally run out of feast food and had to crack open the larders, break into their reserves. They'll have to go out hunting to resupply. And I'll say one thing it definitely means is he starts trying to cheat a little bit by just giving Grar mead. (laughs) Barrel after barrel of mead. With a now I, <laughs> with my constitution, I could probably drink him under the table as well. Oh, he's not trying to. Drunk bear? He's not trying to out drink you. That would be insane. <laughs> if for no other reason than the fact that you weigh like six times what this he is does. True. This is true. He's trying to fill you up on alcohol. Ah, gotcha. By okay. offering you honey wine. Mm. You know, that's mead, fermented honey, which he figured would be irresistible to you. And it is. But also might fill you up, which it doesn't. Also, a player, by the way, but that's a whole different thing. Oh, mead is good. (laughs) Yes, it is. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking whatever he's given, and uh, eventually (laughs) I do get to the point where I'm... You are blind drunk, (laughs) and they are out of mead. (laughs) I win! (laughs) I say with a bearish grin, whatever that would look like. You realize it is hours later and you had been asleep and then you jolted yourself awake saying that. (laughs) I'm not in the room. (laughs) Nope. Nobody's in there. (laughs) (laughs) And yet yet it is heard for miles around. (laughs) And the whole place shakes. With a mighty yeah. Victorian With a mighty bit roar. roar. Yes. <laughs> you broadcast that telepathically, but you also just give a triumphant roar. <laughs> and then I pass out again. <laughs> <laughs> so when we start up next time, you're definitely going to be hungover. Yep. <laughs> I like this character. I like, this. I, I like this whole game. This is awesome. And we'll see. I'm thinking of starting up the next morning or the next day, possibly in the middle of whatever plans you have. 
So briefly, and with the understanding that this isn't setting anything in stone, what do you guys want to do next? What's your plan for next session? What do you think? I think we need to find an excuse to go to a Turin manor. Yes, I agree. 100%. That's where we need to go next. And you've already established a pretty good excuse, but also you don't need one. You're like, okay, now we're going to go visit these neighbors because we're the sovereign's finest and that's our job. All right. We'll start off, I think, basically in the middle of that with you guys at the door. Okay. I'm still kind of hungover. I'll have to remember that. Oh, yeah, you're going to be hungover. Okay, I'm going to know that for next session. I may put some mechanical thing on that, but I'll mostly just ask you to roleplay it. Okay. However you feel is appropriate. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Hey, thanks for an awesome my... session. Yeah. Thank you, guys for, thank you guys for leaning into this adventure here and taking the reins. I like it. Yep, that's what we're here for, man. Then I'll see you next time. So, what will befall our Sovereign's Finest when they venture into a Turin Manor? I have no idea, because we haven't recorded that session yet. That's tomorrow. So, this is as much a mystery for me as it is for you guys. I look forward to sharing that with you as soon as possible. I hope you enjoyed the session. If you have any feedback you'd like to share with us, Go to our Facebook page. Just do a search for Monkeys Took My Jetpack with jetpack as one word. And make a comment on the thread that is issue number 85, House and Home. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We'll take any feedback. We just like feedback. Good, bad, indifferent. Let us know how we're doing so we can improve or keep doing what we're doing. We just want to hear from you. Gives us an old shot in the arm. So until next time, this is Blind Geek thanking you for listening to Monkeys Took My Jetpack and reminding you that your imagination is just like a jetpack. You've got to keep it fired up and always let it soar!